Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. I really don't know what to title this, so I'm just going to title it uh, Babblings. No, I don't know. Uh, I want to talk about our thoughts and things such as that and about really about freedom that um, Matt prophesied from the stage. And sometimes Catherine says, um, she'll, she'll say, I share too much, I'm too real, but I don't know any other way to, to be. And then uh, I just have to preach my way through my own uh, circumstances and so where I've been at. And so, uh, so I'm going to try to be, I've, I've tried to ask the Lord, you know, how much should I share about my own personal journey, but we'll just see how it all comes out. And so, um, but I want to really talk about a couple of dreams and, um, the Lord has always been faithful to speak to me in dreams. Even when I don't understand them, he will keep bringing it back until I begin to grasp hold of it or whatever. So I would, I would say this is really maybe, this really began about maybe almost five years ago. I was standing outside of a restaurant and the Spirit of the Lord came on me as I was talking to a gentleman. And um, he was asking me a question about something and I shared a scripture with him. It's found in Jeremiah. And it says that the fathers has eaten sour grapes and it has set the children's teeth on, teeth on edge. And Catherine will remember that. Uh, that's been maybe five, maybe six years ago. And the power of God just, I mean, just like manifested. I mean, we both felt it, the tangible presence of the Lord. And I had, I walked away from there knowing that God was there, but I had no idea. And I, I, I questioned the Lord about that. You know, why did you, you know, because God, I don't believe he just manifests to manifest. You know, he's got, he's, he's got divine purpose in what he's doing. And so uh, then this led into a dream. This dream, I often look back at my dreams. I chronicle my dreams. If you, if you are a dreamer, I believe that you should be faithful to write them down and chronicle those. Uh, I have a dream book that uh, John Paul Jackson, I think, makes. A, that's, that's who made uh, the dream book we have. And it's got things in there like a journal that you can journal your dreams and all of that. I think you can just order that or whatever. And so anyhow, this would have been maybe going back... Um, close to 24 months ago now, maybe two years ago, that I had this dream. And in this dream, it started out that I was going back to where I was raised at my father's house. And um, as I go to my father's house, I, we immediately, I get out of the vehicle and I'm in the backyard and my father's working on a truck. The truck was on ramps. And I could tell that he was exhausted from working on the truck. He couldn't get it going. And... Um, and so uh, he said that the truck was out of gas. And I said, I think that the truck is just flooded. You remember the old carburetors? You had to pack the gas and, and uh, you could just flood them or whatever. Um, and so that's what was going on uh, in the dream. Then the dream shifts and changes a little bit. And at the end of the dream, I won't tell you all of the dream, but at the end of the dream, there was a door shut and there was a child there and the door shut and hit the child on the back of the head and pushed the child's uh, mouth right at his teeth, his gums, into the brick of the roll-off. 
And immediately I thought about that scripture, the father's eating sour grapes and set the children's teeth on edge. Well, how many knows this? If I'm going back to my father's house, God's telling me there's something in the past that needs to be dealt with. The backyard represents the past, the previous. Back, back there, you got to go back and do something. So God was speaking to me there. Then this would have been about, uh, this dream here would have been uh, also probably about eight months ago. I think I had this dream in 2020. I could pull it up to get the exact date. But in this dream, it starts out that I'm pulling into a hotel. I park the truck and go into a hotel. And as I go into a hotel, that um, the, um, the girl is asking me for my information. I hand her the credit card and two doctors appear. And immediately I get an unsettling feeling when I see the two doctors. They don't ask me what type of vehicle I'm driving. They ask me for medical history on both sides of my family. And I immediately get this uneasy feeling. And John Bentley's with me in the dream. And the doctor starts coming behind the, behind the counter to approach me. And I look down at John Bentley. And I said, you run. Get out of here. And I said, you get my gun. Those that know me, get my I have plenty of arsenal in my truck or whatever. Not that I'm afraid. I'm just, thank God that I got guns. I love them, okay? And so I told him, I said, get, get my gun. And I said this. I said, you shoot anybody that tries to stop you. You shoot anybody that tries to stop you. And I was awakened from the dream. And I was thinking, my God, Lord, what are you speaking to me? You know what I'm saying? Well, thank God I got friends who's got friends who's got friends. You know what I'm saying? And so I had a lady that traveled with John Paul to talk to me about that dream. And she said, she said, John, God is speaking to you the reason why they had some medical history on both sides. That's representing your mother and your father. God's telling you you got to deal with some things that's in the past. Now, I want to talk to you this morning. I'm going to be just as real as I can be. And um, I think the goal for everyone in this room, regardless of where you're at, is to go deeper in the Lord. How many believe that? I mean, we got to get to a place where we're tired of reading the Bible where it talks about a life of freedom and we live in a prison. And we can come to church, and this is what we all say in the South. We all good, and, and most of us in this room sitting here this morning are not good. And so I think we got to be honest, okay? And so she began to tell me that, and this is what she said. She said, if you, don't, if you refuse to not deal with it, it's going to be passed down to your children, and your children's going to have to take the authority that God's given you, and they're going to have to deal with it. Are you with me? And so this morning, I want to start out reading with something right here. I found this verse of Scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. It says this. I'm going to read out the Passion Translation. i got a long ways to go. I've got pages and pages of notes that I've written in my journal, so I don't know how far we'll get. We'll just find us a stopping place, okay? So, Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that this is the day that you have made. I thank you for the power of your Word, God, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm asking this morning that you would invade our lives with the truth of heaven, God. You would expel every lie and every scheme of the enemy, for he is a liar and a deceiver, and he is defeated. And you are king in this room this morning, and you are full of divine truth, and you're full of mercy and love and compassion. So, Father, I pray this morning you would awaken our spirit, man. And Father, this morning you would arm us and tool us with every tool necessary to walk in the victory that you have provided at the cross. Father, we accept nothing less of total freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you believe that? All right. Let me just say this too, and I don't, um, when I came here, Pastor Junior had already 
put this pulpit on the floor. If you remember, if you was here when Pastor Junior was preaching, he didn't preach on the stage. I don't preach on the stage. And so let me say that the reason why I don't preach on the stage, Pastor Dale told me, he said, you get that pulpit and you put it back up on the stage. And I can go on the stage, it don't matter. I, I, just, I'm just trying to convey my heart to you. That my deal is, is I'm on the floor because I'm with you. I'm doing life with you. I'm not so far ahead of you. I'm right here with you. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to walk it out just like you walking it out. I remember Pastor Parsley preaching that God has anointed me to preach it, but he has not given me a supernatural outfit to live it no different than the next person. We all got to live it, okay? All right. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. This is so good the way he writes this. He says, we all experience times of testing. Who? All of us. We all experience time of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, the severity nature, and the timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. Somebody say, thank God for that. And each test is an opportunity to what? Trust Him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. Let's read it again. That's a good verse right there. All right, let's read it again. We all experience, the King James rendered this, there's no trial or temptation given to man than that which is common unto man. So first of all, let me spell one lie. Everything that we face, the enemy tries to make you feel are you the only one in that trial. Whether that's in our marriage, whether that's in finances, come on somebody. Whether that's in anxiety or fear or whatever we're in the trial, the enemy tries to isolate us and make us feel that we're the only one. But what we just found is the truth. This is common unto man. We've all been through something. We all face things. Y'all right? Anytime you don't start by saying, man, he might be getting on sin today. I'm nervous. <laughs> Look at this. Uh, we all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity of uh, nature and the timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it each test is an opportunity to trust Him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape. The King James renders the way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. So here's the truth. We're not alone. This is why it is so important for community and family. Are you with me now? We draw strength from each other. As the prophet Jakita said, the banana that gets uh, separated is the first one that gets eaten. You with me? But God wants us in community, in family, where we can share each other's burdens, grow together, and move together, okay? All right. So I, I really want to talk, what I really got in my heart is I want to talk about, I want to talk about fear, I want to talk about anxiety, and I want to talk about thoughts, but I've got to just lay a little groundwork. So let me just say this. I found this verse of Scripture over uh, really the past um, two weeks, and this is very good right here. I'm going to read it to you. It's Lamentations chapter 3, verse 28, and it's in the message translation. And it says, when life is heavy and hard to take, 
go off by yourself. Listen to this. When life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble. Listen to this. Take it full face. The worst is never the worst. You like that? Let's read it again. Lamentations 3 verse 28 in the message. When life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble. Take it full face. The worst is never the worst. So let me just say this. I believe that we will never come to wholeness as long as we live in denial. You cannot defeat what you're unwilling to name. Come on now, whether it's lust, whatever the issue is in your life, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, whatever the deal is, as long denial is rooted in fear. It is not the root of faith. Are you with me now? The only way we will ever overcome is by be willing to face the hard places. And so I took from this deal, and one of my prayer partners uh, called me on, um, on Saturday morning very early, and, they, and one of the things they said is most people are not willing to go down a path of wholeness. So we, we live in this broken state, are you with me now, or this unwhole state, and we pretend like life is great. I, I mean, I don't want to read about it. I don't like just reading about revival or talking. I want to experience it. I want to experience it for myself. Are you with me now? And so I knew that there were some things that God was telling me that's in my past or that was in my family that's plagued my family that God was wanting to deal with me. Now, let me just say this. The Bible says that the sins are passed down to the third and fourth generation. But the blessing of God goes to a thousand generations. So if we'll be faithful, willing to deal with things in our family lineage, come on somebody, God will cut that off of us and the blessing of God will be transferred to a thousand generations. One thing about this, think about this, Abraham paid tithe, come on somebody, he paid tithe and it was counted for his, we still live under the blessing of Abraham because God is a covenant keeping God. Are you with me now? So I go back and I begin to think, I lost my father at the age of 26. He was 52 years old. He did not, that, he, a lot of that was caused by his own lifestyle and things that he did. But as I go back and think back into my childhood, I'm reading a book right now from, called, uh, and I highly recommend this book. Um, I've read three books this, this week. And um, one of the books that I reread is, is uh, Brian Johnson's book. How many knows who Brian Johnson is? He's the, he's the Bethel music uh, guy. And um, he wrote a book called When God Becomes Real. See, a lot of people look at people on top of the world and think that their life is grand without diving into it. But in the heat of making all of that label, touring, Bethel music on the rise, he couldn't even hardly lay down and sleep at night. He was under severe panic attacks. He writes in the first chapter, it's called Chasing Lizards, where he's out with his son, and, and his son is catching lizards, and some invisible hand grabs him by the lungs. Now, I had never known panic attacks. I don't remember when I was a kid ever having a panic attack, but I've had one full-blown panic attack where Catherine had to pray over me for 45 minutes in tongues to get it to go away, and I told her I was dying. And, and so... 
and then this led into some things. So I go back and look at the life of my father. My father was an alcoholic. And so what I had to do was go back and forgive my dad for being an alcoholic because what he was doing was coping with the issues that was in his own heart called anxiety and fear. My family wasn't in church. We didn't know anything in the Bible very much. And so he didn't know how to combat these things. Let me just say this. I don't believe that there's devils around every corner. But one thing you got to understand is we don't inhabit the earth. We cohabit the earth. Listen to this truth right here. We don't inhabit the earth. We cohabitate on the earth. There is other beings here. There's things in regions. There's principalities that Paul talked about in Ephesians 6. And those things can build up in an area to cause a people to begin to think certain thoughts. Have you ever been in a place or go to a different city and all of a sudden your thoughts change? Your thoughts get heavy? Depression comes on you? It is not inside of you. It's external, okay? And that's what's going on in that regional area where there's a lack of prayer and things like that for the church to deal with that. Now, how many knows this, that God plants a church in the region to be salt and light, to deal with those things that are hanging in that region? Are you with me now? And so I started looking at this. Now, let me just say this. I, I begin to think, of how, I'm going to just say this. Uh, I'm not trying to win any talent show or any popularity contest. But in this, when I begin to read this book, from panic, to peer, uh, from panic to Fear by Lucinda Bassett. Is, and, and, and I got that book because Chris told Brian he needed to read that book. And if you've ever read Spirit Wars by Chris Valentin, he had a mental breakdown where he could not travel and people would call him and say, just tell it to leave, just tell it to go. How many knows if you've ever had an anxiety attack or if you've ever had demonic presence sometime? I've spoke the whole King James and quoted the NIV, then turned around and quoted it in the Passion Translation and nothing didn't seem to move it. But so I have to go back to God. God, am I in a season of great demonic attack or am I in a season where you have allowed some things to happen to get me to a place because you're trying to bring me to wholeness? Now, let me just say this. This is big on my heart because what we've done is told leaders to go get a vision from God and just go preach the gospel. And we prostituted them out there for money and everything else. And we broke their marriages and broke their homes. Listen, you can only give what you've got, man. Come on now. And if we don't learn how to bring people into wholeness, we're going to be feeding people and we're empty ourselves. It is possible to stand in a grocery store and die of starvation. And so we told the preacher that he can't take no time off. You don't need no vacation. Everyone in here needs a vacation. Everyone in here needs recreation. Recreation means to recreate. Catherine and I were staying one time at the Elizabeth Point in Ferndina. We met this guy. And he began to tell me how he started out in the telephone industry. He started out with AT&T. He made it to the top level executives with AT&T. And one of the things that they did was they would take their top executives and they would send them off for a month at a five-star resort and leave them there for a month. And their job was to sit down and begin to dream. When you overexhaust yourself, when you overexpend yourself, you lose the ability to dream and recreate. Their only task was when they come back from that meeting at that resort was to have dreams on how to invest and how to make that company bigger. So we've, we, we, we've told in the church, I'm just trying to bring, I got a lot of setup. We've told in the church that the, that the flesh is so bad. Your flesh is not bad. The Bible says a man even cherishes his flesh. If you don't take care of your body, I don't care how strong your spirit is, you will never finish the race. We are spirit, soul, and body. 
Now here's another thing. The enemy tries to make us think that we are wrestling with the old man. Let me say this. The old man died of supernatural causes. You are not trying to revamp your old man. He's already been killed. Are you with me now? Everything about you is a brand new creature in Christ. Everything. When God saved you, he saved every part of your being. Every part of your being. Now, it, now we said like this. We used to sing in the old church when I was a little boy. Um, uh, there's a new name written down in heaven, and it's mine. And then we would say, we got 58, we, you know, 55 souls got saved the night. The reality was 55 spirits got born again that night. Your spirit, when you get saved, is born again. Everything about it is regenerated. Are you with me now? Your soul is being saved by the washing of the water of the word. The soul is your mind, will, and emotions that God is trying to transform into his image. And your body shall be saved. Come on, somebody. So here's the thing. The kingdom works from the inside out. Religion works from the outside in. But the kingdom comes from the inside out. So God is looking for the inward transformation. So then Allison goes through the Revelation Wellness. Revelation Wellness is about exercise. It's about fitness. But the main thing of Revelation Wellness is about being a gospel preacher to bring people into wholeness, to lose the weights that does so easily beset them. Looking back, it, when we come up, even in CFM, this, we were just doing the best we could. We didn't teach anything on marriage till someone had an affair. Then we realized we got to teach on marriage. But the affair didn't happen because someone was weak in their spirit, it happened because they was weak in the soul realm. And nobody's, nobody's talking about this. Man, here's the thing. When you talk about mental health, mental health is a taboo subject, but it needs to be preached in the church. When the, when the Institute for American Health says this, that 40 million Americans between 18 and 54 suffer from anxiety disorders and mental disorders, we need to be preaching this in the church. We need to talk about it. And let me just say this. I'm all about burning for revival. I'm all about that, okay? I am all about that. But there's a whole lot more to life than just burning in a place of prayer. That probably didn't go over good. All right. So listen to this. So as a child... This is my childhood, and I have to talk. I want to talk about it, but I would, I would never discredit or dishonor my father. But my father had problems. So I am the youngest of three. I have two older sisters. We could never have anyone over to spend the night because we did not know what shape daddy would be in when he come in on Friday nights. And my dad was not a happy drunk when he come home. It would, he would rattle stuff in the kitchen. Most times, he would wake us up, tell how sorry my mom was, and threaten to beat us down. So what do you think that did to my inner world as a child? It put fear and abandonment inside of me. Are you with me now? Now, first of all, the truth of the gospel is that Jesus will never abandon us. He is with us even to the end. So what has to happen is, you remember when God told Joshua, he said, he said, 
he said, meditate on this word day and night and be of good courage. So shall you be successful. He didn't say, I will make you successful. He just said, if you will do the meditation on my word day and night, you will be successful. That word meditate is not simply sitting down reading the Bible. It is transforming your mind. It is like a bulldozer in the forest. You are blazing new pathways into your mind. And, and if we have begin to, if we have thought a certain way for a length of time, your brain, when a thought enters into your brain, it travels on the on the easiest path from point A to B. So how many knows this? We need a lot of transformation of the mind. So this created the thing. So by the time I'm I, I'm I'm a small child, I hate to tell Asher this because he's gonna try to use this against me. I didn't want to sleep by myself. So my older sister, she wasn't gonna have no part of it for a while. But my younger sister, who is a nurse, she's always called to help people. She got a strong mercy gift on her. And I would make up stuff of what I'd seen outside. So I slept on her floor till I was 12 years old. Let me just say this. I might be being too real, ain't Kelly? A lie, you, when you bury a lie, it will not die. Listen to me. If you bury a lie, it will not die. So we got to learn the process. What does it look like? How do I transform my mind, Pastor John? What, what are you trying to say? How, how do I transform my mind? Let's, I'm going to get into that. So I knew that God was telling me, you got to cut off some things. So I got to cut this, got to cut this thing off. Fear by definition is a response to a present, uh, to a present threat. Fear, fear is a good thing. If someone come in here with a gun and pulled a gun on us, how many knows that fear would would it would be real? And 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 that would be our natural response. My body's helping me out by seeing that as a threat so that I can protect myself, right? But anxiety is anticipation of something to go wrong. Fear is a present threat. Anxiety is a response to something anticipated or expected to be a threat in the future. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, I've already quoted this, approximately 40 million Americans ages 18 to 54 is affected by anxiety disorders. So here's the deal. Now, anxiety is the anticipation. How many knows this? The anticipation of something wrong is always worse than what is really wrong. The anticipation is worse than what is really wrong. So... How does this, let me, let me, in 2 Samuel 12, I'll never forget this. It's one of the greatest messages I've ever heard him preach. But back in the 90s, Jensen Franklin used to take, a, 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 he had the cassettes, and I'd get my cassettes in at the thing, and he had the top 10 for the year. And I'll never forget this cassette thing. I could about quote you the 10 that he had in there. But one of the messages he had in there was, beware of the traveler. The traveler hits everybody in this room. And he preached from 2 Samuel 12 where, where Nathan came to rebuke David of his sin with Bathsheba. And he gives him a story of a rich man and a poor man. And he said that this rich man had everything. Uh, the, the rich man had everything. But the poor man had one lamb. That's all he had. This was, this was God's um, metaphorically rebuking David. David being the rich man and Uriah being the poor man. All he had was Bathsheba. And David took that and brought it as his own. And he said this. He said there was a traveler who came to town. 
There was a traveler who came to town. Now here's the deal. How many knows this? With the day that you and I are in, in, are in living in, what what generations before us used to get one hour of news a week. Or you got Walter Cronkite at night and he told you facts and then you made up your decision. News don't report facts anymore. They spread lies and propaganda and tell you what to believe. And now we got 24-hour networks of rolling with nothing but fear. They don't monitor the employment rate. They monitor the unemployment rate. They don't monitor how many people's recovering from COVID walking out with is a 90, still a 98% recovery rate. They, te- they show us images of the caskets rolling out and the beds with all the oxygen and everybody said, come on now, that's the truth. And so the enemy's wrecking a heyday in this nation right now and the nations of the earth with fear because fear has killed more people than any disease on the face of the planet. And he's rejoicing in that. If he moves us out of faith into fear, he's got us locked down. Y'all all right? Anxiety is, listen to this, anxiety is an emotion. You can control it. There are two types of anxiety. External, which is produced by, by, by uh, outside circumstances, or internal, begins with a thought. What if our anxiety is under our control? If we created the negative thought, therefore you can stop them. Now, Lucinda Bassett talks about this process. I've just got to be honest with my own life. I remember setting last year, not in 2020, but at the end of 2019. I was in my cabin with a group of people. And we were talking about a ministry opportunity that was coming up. And the guy looked at me and he said, yes, he said, pastor's going to go here. And when he said it, immediately my mind went into overdrive. I am an obsessive thinker. Has anybody else? I'm an obsessive thinker. And so when he said this, I felt all the life draining out of my body as the more he communicated. Within seconds, the people that was in that room had disappeared and I was lost in my own world. I I didn't want to be noticed, so I got up and I went to the bathroom to put cold water on my face. And all it was was this simple thing that I knew that I had to fly for over an hour. This manifested on our trip to Virginia when Jess looked at me and he brought truth into my life and because I said our life is in the hands of the pilot. So let's look at this. What, what drove that thought? Immediately when he said this, all of these things started popping in my mind. I'm not going to be able to get out. What if I have a cramp? I'm just being real honest of where I've been living. And so we go to, we go to South Carolina. We're sitting in a room with David Thompson. And Matt's really close to me. He knows a lot about my life. And I can't even sit in a chair because I feel like my right leg's cramping. And then what I noticed was that is I don't, I don't suffer from cramps. I, I don't get cramps. You know what I'm saying? But I, I was sitting there and I looked around trying to get out of this room and Damon's going to preach for two hours. I know he's going to preach for two hours. And I'm sitting there. I can't even remember hardly nothing he preached on because I prayed to God. He would just quit preaching. I was begging heaven, Lord, let him just quit preaching where I can just get out of this room. What was that? 
that wasn't heaven. That was, that was, that was, that was just an emotion called anxiety overcoming me. So then we take a trip, Catherine and I, we take a trip. It's just she and I, and I'm all excited. Anytime I can take her anywhere, I'm excited. And so it took us, what was a two-hour trip, took us three and a half hours because I had to keep getting out of the car. He said, man, this is crazy. And so I was talking with a leader, and he looked at me, and he said, John, he said, man, if you've got these kind of struggles in your life, he said, man, there's no hope for me. He said, because you're the strongest thing I know. Listen here, we're all in it together. And sometimes, you know, when Pastor Dale would just get honest and say where he was really living, it gave me so much hope because I could never believe I could ever be where he was at. He had so much revelation, so much knowledge. He was so far ahead of me. But if he ever got real, then it gave me hope. Man, he's just a man. You know what? When it all boils down to it, we're all human beings. You with me now? We're all naturally supernatural by God. You know what I'm saying? So, so this... This, this anxiety. And so I begin to ask God, God, where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? All right. So the negative thought enters into my mind. External. There's two types of anxiety. External and internal. This, this internal starts with the what if. When you can't turn the what if down, all of a sudden your body starts kicking in, Okay. Your body starts kicking in. Am I y'all all right with this? I mean, I can preach anything. I got, you know what I'm saying? I just got to go with what's in my heart. But uh, this, it starts kicking in. And as it kicks in, adrenaline is released. And when, it, when, it, when adrenaline is secreted, it tells the nervous system, it throws alarms off in your body saying there's danger. There's a problem. Get ready. We got to fight. Because we all have the fight or flight syndrome. When adrenaline is released and it hits the nervous system and sounds the alarm, cortisol is then released. When cortisol, these two, when these two are released in the body, all of a sudden heart rate picks up. You with me? Chris Valentin, how many loves to listen to Chris Valentin? Love him or hate him? He's wrote some phenomenal books. He's probably one of the, my favorite podcasts that I listened to from Bethel. Was in a season in his life and he was laying in the bathtub. That's the only thing I don't ever understand. He always talks about laying in the bathtub. Grown man take a shower. You know what I'm saying? Not laying in the bathtub. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> Danny, that makes me worry a little bit. Listen, I'm cutting up. He has his thought. He hears this voice speak to him. Is what he said. You're going to die. You're going to die. And for three and a half years, this led, he's on a journey. It gets so bad that he can't go in a restaurant and eat by himself. I mean, with, with his family. He can't be, he has to ride in the vehicle with the windows down, even if it's 20 degrees. And so finally, he's laying in the floor one night with just a, FM radio and he catches this broadcast and it's the signals coming in and out and this is what this guy preaches he said the enemy is lying to you through your thoughts and he's wanting you to make you believe that those are your thoughts let me, tell, let me help you here your thoughts originate from three places the Holy Spirit demonic or from yourself 
So when you have a thought, you've got to ask yourself, who said that? Who said that? Y'all right? I'm gonna I, I gotta try to travel here a little bit because I'm all right. Self-sabotage is the common denominator of all type in all type, all forms of anxiety and depression. Romans 8. Let's look at this. Now, let me just say where this is at. With me. One of the things that anxiety does, and which I've got, this is one of the things that I want to say, that anxiety and fear, what it does is rob you of the present. It robs us of the present. If there's ever needed, we, we got to learn how to live in the present. I am a vision guy, and I, I, I live by prophetic words. And one of the things that Brian said that got him at this place was that he was constantly reaching for the future and never being able to, to be there, be present. And so I found that a lot in my life, that I couldn't be present because in any situation, I was just trying to think about the, the, the next day or the next week or whatever. So I really wasn't present. So Catherine would be sometimes sitting in the living room and she would say, John, where are you at? Where are you at? Because it was, it, it's been hard for me to stay in the present. But how many knows this? That I'm, I'm willing to dig and ask the Lord to, to help me, okay? And, and, um, and so I realized that the anxiety that was going on in me was creating me not the ability to be present. And where I gotten at is any change I couldn't hardly deal with. I liked real short trips that would be 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Because I didn't want to be in the vehicle that long. The night that you guys came, I probably can't remember one conversation that we had at that table in Jacksonville because I was never present. And that's so sad that that robbed me of that time in that restaurant because I was afraid the car ride home. Or, this is crazy, ain't it? I don't know. Let's go on. But I can promise you this. I said, God, my goal for 2021, I don't care if we build no bigger than people, but I'll tell you this, my promise is I want to take a people that can walk in freedom. If it's 50, then we've accomplished the goal. If it's 100, because I, what I found, man, listen here, we can jump up in here and buck, speak in tongues or nothing else, but if your life's not changed, and friend, there ain't nothing happening no way. We want to see changed lives. Are you with me now? All right, so let's go in there. And I guarantee you, I'm not the only one in this type of struggle in my life. Essential oil, stress away, Matt knows this. I keep it in my truck, it's in my pocket or whatever else. And I, I mean, it's all over my neck. I mean, I walk in places, they're probably like, my God, what in the world is he wearing? You know what I'm saying? He smelled like death warmed over or something, you know? Catherine said it was liquid Xanax in a bottle, so I poured it all over, you know, put it between my toes, everything. All right, let's look at this. This is a good passage of scripture right here that I'm going to read to you. In Romans 8, verse 14. Oh my God, I've been living here, right here on this. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. 
and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear of never being good enough. See, the enemy lies to us to make us feel we're not qualified or we don't measure up or you're struggling with this because you're weak. It's a lie. No one would examine my personal life away from this church or in here. No one would examine my life and say I'm a weak individual. I'm a driven individual to anything I do. Anything I do, I do over the top. If we fish, we fish over the top. We hunt, we hunt over the top. I've been a driven individual my whole life. But the enemy would say, we've not received that where we don't measure up, leading us back into fear of never being good enough. But you've received the spirit of full acceptance. This is the key, I'm telling you, to winning the battle. Knowing that you are accepted. Knowing that, listen, God is not like my father. He's never going to come in to an angry situation and scare me to death. He's never going to tell me we're going to go somewhere and then not show up to pick me up. We've fully been accepted in the beloved. Look at this. We're fully accepted in folding you into a family of God. And you will never feel orphaned for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying words of tender affection. Beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all of his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. That's a good word right here. Now let's go right here in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to speed us up right here. 2 Corinthians 10. Look at this. Now according to Lucinda Bassett, most, most men have a fear. Their fear and anxiety rises up about a heart attack. Oh, I thought I've had a couple in 2021. This is it. It's over with. But you know what? I was given a dream in August of last year. And in the dream, I was discouraged. Church wasn't growing. And I just preached on a Wednesday night, and I was transferred in the Spirit. And I was in Redding, California, in Chris Valentin's office, and they was getting ready for their 7 o'clock service. And he sat behind his desk and he talked to me for a minute. And the first thing he just said, how's it going in Georgia, John? And I was just, ah, it's, it's just going. And he stands up and he looks at me and he says, the word of God is ingrained into me. And he said, you know what? He said, Yahweh wrote a chapter about you. Do you want to hear it? I said, yeah, I want to hear it. So he said, come here. And he laid on his couch And as he laid on his couch, I laid on top of him. My back was his chest. And he put his arms around me. And he read Isaiah 49. And Isaiah 49 says, You are my beloved servant, Israel. I chose you in your mother's womb. I put my word in you to pierce and penetrate the darkness. You, O Israel, I've chosen to gather back the remnants of Jacob. And so I've read that chapter. Every morning, every morning in my personal time. And I told the enemy, 
who tried to say there was something wrong with my heart. Now go to doctors, they check everything out. I got a clean bill of health to my knowledge and their knowledge. I told the devil, I said, you're an absolute lie. God would have never given me a promise of Isaiah 49 to allow something to come in here and kill me. That's an absolute lie. Are you with me now? How many of you have thoughts like that? How many of you have thoughts like you battling thoughts like that? I was sitting down with someone and I began to share my story. He said, man, as you're talking, my anxiety is going through the roof. This is all a lie. This is a tool of the enemy to keep us from the promised land. But I'm telling you right now, if you had to bury me, I'm going to lead a people into the promised land because Pastor Dale prophesied over me in 2012. He said, "You will. it'll be a land that you won't talk about. You will go and possess the land and the people will build in that land. Are you with me now? This land's full of finances. It's full of health. It's full of joy. This is the land of this region. And there's a lying spirit trying to say, ooh, you're going down. Ooh, you're going under. Ooh, you're going to die. That is the lie of hell. Man, might need to cut this off the live stream. I have people praying for me. Boy, he needs some help. Somebody go counsel him. Paul talks about this pathway of the thoughts. Look at this. In 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power of effectively dismantling the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war. Listen to this. This is where we got to learn, church, right here. What does it look like to capture thoughts and make them a prisoner of war? If it exalts itself above the knowledge of God, where did the thought come from? Was it me? Was it God? Or was it the devil? When it comes to harming you and your family, let me give you some advice. It did not originate from God. God only has good thoughts towards us. He told us in Psalms 139, my thoughts towards you are more than the sand upon the sea. He told them in Babylonian captivity, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace, joy, and an expected end. He's got good thoughts. So when that negative thought comes in that you're going to die or that there's something bad wrong with you, it did not originate from heaven. Now, I do believe the Holy Spirit can warn us of things in our body. But it's a simple question. Holy Spirit, is this you? Let me tell you, if it's the Holy Spirit, it won't be accompanied by fear. It'll be accompanied by hope. All right. So Paul says the enemy attacks us with thoughts. If you read this in the New New American Standard Version, it'll use the word thoughts, speculations, and lofty things. The enemy wants us to come in agreement with the thoughts, and if we do, brick by brick, they become fortresses, evil castles of destructive ideas that imprison our souls. So it's possible 
Look, notice what he said, that the thoughts, the thoughts can turn into something that is, that is intangible to something that is tangible. Because brick by brick, you're taking your thoughts and building your own life. And it can become a fortress in which I'm living in. I read Acts 16 the other day. That's where Paul and Silas has the jailbreak. I said, God, it's about time for a jailbreak around up in him. Because free people know how to free people. So he uses this. Y'all right? I'm going to go through this right here real quick. We're playing dappy. That just, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Lord, let us lay down your presence. Thoughts are random ideas. We must ask ourselves, who said that? Was it me? Was it God or the enemy? Now, speculations and lofty things are not random thoughts. These are, these are um, characterized by what-if questions. What if I have cancer? What if I lose everything? Speculation and lofty things are systems of thought that are more strategically destructive in their focus. Are you with me now? Lofty things are philosophies that make us feel the devil is big and powerful and God is small and powerless in our lives. Expressions like, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. These are the fruit of living under lofty things. When, when, when we are under the Spirit's influence, our circumstances easily overwhelm us. We feel like little children in a grown-up world. We must realize these are not our own thoughts, but lies and suggestions of the enemy. Reject all ownership of them. This is not, this is not my thought. God, you did not, you, this is not my thought. And begin to pull it down in the name of the Lord. What I, listen to this. Scientists have found that one of the ways that you can, you can reformat new neuropathways into your mind is the power of your own voice when you speak over your own self. So when I feel now, I, I've, I'm trying to learn what triggers it where I don't get in a full-blown deal where my heart is at. I've, I've been with Catherine in the truck and looked down at my Apple Watch and it's about to blow off. My heart's running 135 and 140 beats just sitting in a vehicle. Now, I know this because Danny's taught me about exercise and stuff, and I've tried to get on my health. You take your, your max heart rate as your age minus 220. So I knew I had, I've been, I've been in the 160s working out, and I get it in the upper 160s, that thing is lightheaded. You know what I'm saying? It says, sit down, big boy. You know what I'm saying? And so, so then, so I had to go through this whole thought process that, that there's something wrong with my heart. And so when I, when I went to the doctor, I told the two, two big old jugs of, um, uh, of the Culligan jugs, towed them from the youth room, run up the stairs with them, then got up the stairs, and I did been over rows with them. And then pushed my heart rate up to like 107 or 108. And so the doctor said, you just did your own stress test. Where's that coming from? It's a lie. Somebody said, man, we need to give him some medicine. Huh? I guarantee you this. And I ain't saying this to put a badge on me, but there won't be too many ministers to be honest about where they live in that. That's why their people don't have no hope. But if the man in front can just say, listen here, I struggle too, you'd be surprised at the hope that comes on people. I've struggled in my marriage, in my finances and everything. I'm not qualified because of what I've studied. God qualified me when he called me and I rest in his grace. 
い Now, Allison and Catherine's going to be strong in this area. In the book of Nehemiah, which is what Revelation Wellness loves to use. Because what we find in the book of Nehemiah is Ezra is called to rebuild the temple. This is a picture of salvation. This is a picture of salvation. What happens at salvation is my spirit is born again. But what happened after Ezra, God raised up a man by the name of what? Nehemiah. His name means comforter. Let me say this. In the Pentecostal church, in charismatic church, we know Holy Spirit as commander-in-chief, not as friend and comforter. It's time we learn who he really is. Not commander-in-chief, but friend and comforter. So Ezra rebuilds his temple, but God raises Nehemiah up and They have the temple restored, but they have no walls and the gates are burned. This is how our thought life gets unhealthy and gets out of control. When we don't have walls and we don't have gates. Y'all right? I'm going to finish these last two right here. I'm not going to preach like Damon because somebody in here may say, man, if he don't quit, I'm going to have a cramp. Let me tell you the end of that story though. Damon told this that night. He said this. He said, let us stand up and pray. Matt said he ain't never seen a man stand up and jump like, like I did when I had the first one on my feet. You know what I'm saying? I was ready to get up out that tight space. I spent 45 minutes looking for the way of escape, but there was not none. <laughs> Without causing a scene. All right. Isaiah 60 verse 18 says, You will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The New Testament Greek word for salvation is sozo. It refers not only to the spiritual resurrection, but also to the total restoration of our bodies and souls. The Holy Spirit rebuilds our walls of salvation by correcting all our, our old broken patterns of thinking and establishing new strongholds of truth that bring health and strength to every dimension of our beings. As the Holy Spirit restores us, He trains our, our, our wills to choose to choose thoughts and values and behaviors that bring him praise. Gates represent access points in our hearts that, that hinge on guarded choices we make. Listen to this. When Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem, the first thing he did was survey the walls and assess the problem. The Holy Spirit puts us in touch with our brokenness. Listen to this now. Anytime we cannot, anytime we cannot uh, um, challenge Anytime we cannot look at our challenges without getting discouraged, we are living in denial, not faith. Denial is the fruit of fear, not the root of faith. True faith can evaluate the circumstances without growing hopelessness, without growing hopeless because it sees the world through God's eyes. In other words, when you look at how broken you are, and you, I'm telling you how, you listen to me this morning like, man, that's one of the jacked up dude I've ever heard. He said he came riding a truck. I can ride in a truck. I got a friend of mine in ministry that took a new church. He's a dear friend of mine, a close friend of mine. The first two years of him pastoring the church, he could not even drive a vehicle. He would get behind the pulpit and preach lightning bolts. But he was trying to live every day. He would be up at one o'clock at night pacing the floor, praying to God that daylight would just come. 
Rod Parsley tells a story. If you know, I don't know why I'm using him so much lately, but I listened to him a lot when I was young. But he tells a story. Those of you who know Pastor Parsley, he's got an autistic child. And he said he would be in that pastor's office before he went out on the stage to preach faith and healing and power. And God would heal people left and right, and the power of God would manifest. And he would have to go back home to an autistic child. But his child defied all odds of everything. He said, wouldn't he graduate college? So let me just say, it's a lie to look at people and say that their life is all together. They got it better than me. You never know what's going on behind closed doors or what they're fighting. All right? Trying to finish up right here. Y'all stay, y'all with a place of faith right here. All right? In Nehemiah 2.17, I, I got to read this verse of Scripture for you because I can't leave without it. And I'm going to finish this up quick. I don't feel the need to. I'm just saying... Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. Listen to his assessment. Now, he's looking at the brokenness in his life, and he's accessing it through God's eyes, okay? Look at this. I was on the right page right here. Okay. Then I said to them, You see the distress we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste, and its gates are burned with fire. You see how bad it is. You see how bad it is? It's pretty bad. It's real bad. You see how bad it is? You see how bad it is? It's real bad. He's burned up. Now notice his next words. Let us. I want you to see this. This is the Holy Spirit saying, let us. Come on, I want to help you so much. You see all of that destruction. You see all of those problems, but let us look at his heart. God, I'm trying to get you to see this. Look at his heart towards us. I want to get right in there, the places that you don't want nobody to see. Let us, let us work. Let us build together. Let us build together. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Verse 18. And I told them of the hand of my God. Look what he's told. I told them of the hand of my God that had been good upon me and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. The Holy Spirit is saying, let me get in those areas. Let me get in that thought life. Let me get in that place where all of that fear is driving you to, I mean, driving you crazy. Let me get in there, and I want you to know that I got all the king's resources. He sent me fully equipped to take care of the job needed to rebuild this wall. Now, there's another approach to this. Look at this. Let me make this statement. The enemy hates to see restoration in anything. Whether it's restoration in your life, restoration in, in, in your marriage, restoration in your relationships. He hates to see restoration. So when you get serious about being who you want to be, there's going to be a little bit of, there'll be a little bit of shakiness. Chris Valentin said he called this man who had, who had almost died with cancer. And when he was in his, all dealing with his fear. And he said, he said, man, he said, was you ever afraid? He said, man, you mean, the, you mean the devil threatening me with heaven? No, I'm not afraid. Friend, let's establish this. There's no death to the believer. 
I said, there's no death to the believer. I said, there's no death to the believer. We never die. We never die. We step out of one realm into the everlasting realm. He's real. Heaven's a real place. It's not a destination. It's a real reality that we live in. All right. Now, can, can, I finish, can I read you this one other verse right here? In Nehemiah 4. Look at 1 through 3. But so it happened when Symbolic heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. So when it heard that John and Catherine came to Sparks to pick up that torch and that mantle, all the hell started shaking. Let's say it like it is. So it was heard when John and Catherine came to Sparks. First of all, I didn't come here on my own. I was asked to come here. Second of all, I stand here because of an inheritance. That's why I stand here. So it was heard when they began to do this work. He spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews? This is always the voice of the enemy. You're never going to be free. You don't have to drink two drinks a night just to, just to keep yourself sane. And when you battle anxiety, you'll do whatever it takes to appease it. Come on, let's just get real up in here. Now, I ain't got no crown royal in my house, but if I had it, I'd have swallowed half of it the other night. That poor people like, I can't believe he said that. I got some haters ragging me. I told you. I told you he's a compromiser. So they said, what are these? I mean, he spoke before his brother and said, look at this. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will, will, will they fortify themselves? Are they going to fix the broken walls? Are you, are you, they going to restore their gates? Or you mean to tell me you're going to restore the gate in your family? A line of alcoholics? A blue collar? If Danny says there's wealth on my oldest son, I'll set everything up to get it there. And there's no doubt that ever since he's been a small child, five years old, the men that have took notice of Grant, even on baseball team, it was all business, man. There is a mantle of business on his life. And we will do whatever it takes to shape him in that area. John Bentley's going to be a professional fisherman. Hopefully he's going to let me ride on his boat. <laughs> Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, the stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Anamite was, was beside him and said, whatever they build, whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Listen to this. Here's six lies right here that the enemy tries to get you with. Number one, what are these feeble Jews doing? The first, the devil attacks your personhood. You're not who you say you are. Man, you're so far behind, you'll never catch up. It's a lie. It's a lie. 
Are they going to restore it for themselves? Next, the accuser will always try to get you to doubt and question your motives. You ain't got a pure heart. You're just doing that to be noticed. You want people to notice you. Can they offer sacrifice? Then he tries to get us to doubt our relationship with God. You got a weak relationship with the Lord. Because you haven't read this week. That's why this is happening. You didn't spend enough time in prayer. You're not who you say you are. Can they finish in a day? The enemy tries to convince us that we do not have the ability to accomplish the mission. Even what they are doing, if a fox should jump on it, it will fall down. Finally, he attacks the quality of our own work. Listen to this. I'm finished right here. Matt, will you get that team to come up here? We're going to do some business up in here today. I'm doing all the call. Okay? Fear is the most socially accepted sin in the church. Listen to this. Fear is the most socially accepted sin in the church. Fear is a serial killer. The prime suspect in the death of more people on the planet than all other diseases combined. Fear in every form has been linked to heart disease, cancer, autoimmune disorders, mental illness, and other sickness. Fear is the welcome mat to demonic activity in our lives. You with me? Isaiah 54, 14 says this, In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. When we reject fear, we live in peace. I don't know if I helped you or hurt you. But I'm telling you, if you don't get nothing else you heard me say today, gosh, it's good to see you, Miss Maydeen. It's the fact that you get us. Let us. Let us. Look at the gentleness of the Holy Spirit saying, I just want in to help. Let us. Come let us build together. Father, we love you, Jesus. God, we love you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. God, y'all can play right there. Now, let me say this. You know, in deliverance, when we think about deliverance, we think about Pentecostal deliverance. Pentecostal deliverance, we come here, throw you in the floor, put you in the headlock. I mean, DDT you, whatever it takes. I heard a story about a guy that was trying to, that they were trying to cast the devil out of him. And he finally just told him, said, listen here, just leave the devil in me. I mean, it was more painful in the deliverance than what the devil was causing. This is a true story, and I've shared it here. But I was called to the hospital to cast out a demon. And I told the girl, I said, listen, this is probably not a demon. She said, I'm telling you, Pastor John, it's a demon. So I had a guy to go with me. And when we got there, they had the person on the outside of the hospital. And that person's head turned like an owl, like 180. And I mean, it was already like projectile spitting out there about 30 feet. I said, that is a demon, no doubt. We got a demon. 
But the person who had been working with him trying to cast a demon out was, was one of the things her parents come up there. And when they come up there, you know the old Bibles that used to be on coffee tables. I mean, one about this thick. I mean, I'm telling you, no joke, they come up there and almost hit that girl in the head with that Bible, then opened the Bible and put it over her head and was like beating them on the head. And I was like, I had to, I had to get her delivered from the deliverance before we could minister to her. But you know what happened? All we had to do was speak truth in their life and she got free. So deliverance is simply this, replacing a lie with truth. It's not this Bob Larson where I'm, I'm not knocking any of that ministry. I'm not knocking it. Now you understand? But I mean that demons manifest and ah, they start, you don't knock. I'm just telling you, it's when we come out in agreement with the lie and embrace the truth. So what I want to do is I want to read divine truth over your life right here. And I felt like the Lord told me, he said, I want you to close this out by reading the truth of my word over the people. So what I'm going to read you is out of the Passion Translation of the Bible and it's found in Song of Solomon, verse 1. Chapter 1. I will tell you this. If you are battling with strong anxiety, I highly encourage you. Start walking. I mean, my gosh, you already got that adrenaline shot through your veins. You might as well use it. Get out and start walking. I, I, I pretty much had to quit walking down the highway where people wouldn't think I was insane. So now I walk in the woods because when I'm walking, I'm hollering out, not hollering, but I'm speaking this loudly right here over my life. And I speak the word of God over my life. And I just walk like this. Every part of my body is completely whole in the name of Jesus. My mind is sound because God has not given me a spirit of fear, but he's given me a love, power, and a sound mind. My family is blessed for a thousand generations. My kids shall walk in the ways of Yahweh because as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. This is how I walk. And so what I've felt when I feel that anxiety trying to build up, trying to get me into a panic attack, I just get up and start walking. I just get up and start walking. I walk through the woods. I, Father, I thank you for this place. Come on. I thank you for this place. We got Dennis and Donna. I mean, we all just got one place out there. They guard it from the road. And I thank God he planted me right there. I got one of the elders right there. Right there beside me. God nestled me in there to protect me. He didn't bring me here and leave me over. He put men around me. Strong men around me. Church, I'm just trying to tell you what he's been. We've been through the storms, but God has raised up 10 people that'll be with me tomorrow night. Danny said, you got to get the strong men. prophesy the word out of my mouth. My family shall lack for nothing, for God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. We give. David said, I've been old and I've been young, but I've never seen God's seed begging for bread. We, we prophesy the word over us. The word of God is powerful, church. His word is powerful and it works. Oh, the enemy can't stand you, fine truth. He wants us gleaning in the 
trying to look for crumbs when you always called us to live at the table in the finest of dinery. Come on, somebody. Let's get off the crumbs and get on the fine dinery of the kingdom and all that he offers. Living totally free in our marriages, in our health, in everything about our lives. God wants to bring us a lot of truth, even in the financial realm in 2021, but we got to grow to a place to receive it. We can't be like a bunch of orphans when we bring the Bring the state to the table. You got to realize it's for you. So you raise your hands and receive. Listen to what he writes. The most amazing story of all by King Solomon, the Shulamite, let him. This is my my question. Notice how he starts with, let him. This is the entry point, church. Let him. Let him. Come, let us. Let him. Let him smother me with the kisses. His spirit kissed divine. So kind are your caresses. I drink them in the sweetest wine. Your presence releases a fragrance so pleasing. Over and over poured out, for your lovely name is flowing oil. No wonder the brides to be adore you. Draw me into your heart. Will you run away together into the the king's cloud chamber? We will remember your love, rejoicing and delighting in you. Celebrating your every kiss is better than wine. No wonder righteousness adorns you. Listen to what she says. Jerusalem's maiden is is the twilight darkness. I know I'm so unworthy, so in need. God, I'm so broke. I'm so jacked up. How am I ever going to lead a movement? How am I ever going to lead a church? How am I ever going to get it fixed? here. Come on, look at her. I'm so unworthy. I'm so in need. But notice his words. You are so lovely. Trade out the lie with the truth. You are so lovely. You are so lovely. You are so equipped. I'm telling you, you are armed and dangerous in the realm of the spirit. You are a lion and a tiger. Rise up. I feel as dark and dry as the desert tents of the wandering nomads. I feel dark and dry as desert as the desert tents. But he says, you are so lovely, like the fine linen tapestry hanging in the holy place. Please don't scorn, please don't stare in scorn because of my dark sinful ways. My mother, my angry brothers quarreled with me and appointed me guardian of their ministry vineyards. Yet I've not rendered my own vineyard within. Won't won't you tell me, lover of my soul, where do you feed your flock? Where do you lead your beloved ones to rest in the heat of the day? For I wish to be wrapped all around you as I wander among the flocks of your shepherds, as as, as you I long for with no veil between us. Listen what he says. Because my radiant one, if you ever lose sight of me, just follow in my footsteps to where I lead my lovers. Look at this. 
Come with your burdens and cares. Come to the place near the sanctuary of my shepherds. My dearest one, let me tell you how I see you. You are so thrilling to me. The gaze upon you is like looking at one of Pharaoh's finest horses, a strong regal steed pulling in his royal chariot. Your tender cheeks are aglow. Your earrings and gem-laden necklaces set them ablaze. We will enhance your beauty. Encircling you with golden reins of love, you will be marked with our redeeming grace. That is what the Father says about you, church, this morning. You say, I'm dark. He says, you're lovely. You say, you're unqualified. He says, you're qualified. You say that I'm poor. He says that you're rich. You say that I'm sick. He says that I'm well. Come on, somebody. That is the truth. Denounce the lies of the devil. Come on, somebody. Release fear. Grab hold of faith, church. This is our finest moment. I don't care what it looks like to your eyes. I'm telling you right now, this is our finest moment. This is the best hour. We've never been in this place. We are crossing the Jordan to possess the land with great strength and great faith. And God will do everything he said he was going to do. Give God a great God bless you in this house. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.